am I? Welcome to OCC fam, everybody. Thanks for being here. If you're in the house, will you help me uh, give a round of applause to those who are watching us online? Thank you so much, everybody. We appreciate you being here. Uh, today, I'm going to read from two passages of scripture. One's found in the book of Habakkuk, and the other is found in the book of Ezekiel. I know those of you who are scholars, I mean, this is where you do your devotions every week. Um, but for the rest of us, uh, this is unfamiliar territory. So uh, we're going we're gonna to dive in here. I do think that um, I've got a word today that really is um, prophetic, not just for our church, but for the church of Jesus Christ all across America. And so I want to talk to you about that. Uh, I wanna, I'm going to tell you a story. Then I'm going to read both passages then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get to work, okay? So that's, that's kind of the, the game plan that we have today. Um, I don't know about you, but have you, have you ever seen a toddler uh, on like right next to a pool? No adults around, and you know that in two steps, they could be inside the pool. Now, the, 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 the reason you have this overwhelming sense when you see a toddler on the deck next to a pool, is not because they're actually in the pool and they're drowning. The reason you get concerned is because they're on the deck and you know that they're only two steps away from extreme danger. And so you, you kind of perk up, you kind of may, maybe even yell, you kind of run toward them because you know in two steps it could be fatal. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to I wanna suggest to you today that the, I believe the church of Jesus Christ, Christians, people who say they know Jesus, are just like that toddler in this day and age. You're two steps away from something that could be very, very dangerous. And here's the funny part. As the toddler, they're walking around having the time of their lives not knowing how dangerously close they are to something fatal. And I want to suggest to you today that there are a number of Christians who call themselves Bible-believing, Jesus-following, spirit-endowed people who are, who, are, who are straddling the fence with danger. So I want to talk about that. I want to read a passage of Scripture, two of them, of a group of people that I believe are in the same situation that Christians in North America are today. So let's go to the book of Habakkuk first. Let's go to chapter number 2, and let's read verse 18 through 20. Then we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to read chapter 14, and we're going to read 1 through 6. Both passages are extraordinarily instructive for where we are today. You see, there's coming a time in our lives where we will be desperate for divine revelation. We'll be desperate for it. Some of us are right now. Here's what God has to say. Here it is. What prophet is the idol when its maker has carved it? What prophet is it when you have created your own God? It, the text continues. Or an image, a teacher of falsehood. Circle that word falsehood if you mark in your Bible. For its maker trusts in its own handiwork when he fashions speechless Idol, circle that word, speechless as well. Let me give you the setting. They're a group called the Chaldeans. They are, they are um, a, a mighty force. The children of Israel thinks we need to partner with some of these other, other countries so that we will stay safe and we will be protected. Now, what they should have done is partnered with God and trust Yahweh, but instead they're trusting other things to protect them. God is saying through this text that uh, what prophet is, is the idol when you carve it? Or an image, a teacher of falsehood. Or its maker, when, it, when it's trust in its own handiwork, when he fashions speechless idols. Verse number 19. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, awake, to a mute stone, arise. And that is your teacher? Is that your teacher? Somebody who, who can't wake up? Somebody who can't arise? Somebody who can't say anything? Contrast. Behold. It is overlaid with gold 
and silver. In other words, oh, behold, the thing that you're worshiping, the thing that you've put in the number one slot, it is speechless. It only speaks falsehood. It can't say anything. The thing you've put in the number one slot, he continues now, and there is no breath at all inside. He continues. Here's the conclusion. Here's the contrast. The Lord is in his holy temple. Here we go. All the other ones who couldn't speak, all the other gods who, who only spoke falsehood, all of them who could not arise. Here we go. Let all the earth be silent before him. In other words, let all the other gods be silent. Let all the gods that we, the church, we Christians have created, let all of them be silent. The only person that should be speaking is Yahweh. Come on with me. Come on with me. Come on with me. It's going to make sense in a minute. Go to Ezekiel chapter 14. The first one are gods that we create. Now you're going to see another God. Watch this. Watch this. Watch the text. Uh, this now is when the men and women are looking for God to tell them his will. Amen, God. Where should we go? Should we go left or should we go right? In the context here, the way God worked back in the day was he would speak through a prophet. The prophet would give the people of Israel direction. So they wouldn't go directly to God. They'd go through the prophet, and the prophet would be God's spoken uh, person that's going to speak his will for them. Right? Watch the text. Watch what happens. They're looking for God's direction. Here's what happens. Uh, then some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up idol, their idols in their, where family? In their, no, that's not everybody, in their, last time, in their, that's where we've set it up. And have put right before the faces, before the faces, the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Here's what he's saying. You want to know who you should marry, but you have idols in your heart. And God is saying, why would I ever answer you when you have idols in your heart? You want to know, God, when are you going to give me the promotion? And God is saying, why would I ever come to your aid when you knowingly have idols in your heart, but you want to come, then go to the idols in your heart. Don't come to me. Go to the ones that you're currently worshiping. That's what God is saying. You want to know, God, will you bless my kids? Will you make my kids? Which way should they go? Will you bless them? Will you, will you, will you give them extraordinary wisdom? God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you even praying to me? When you have these idols in your heart that you have created, and now you want to leave those idols and come to me for insight, for wisdom, for direction, Watch the rest of the text. It gets really, really good. Here's what he says. Uh, verse number four. Therefore speak to them, talking now, and tell them, thus says the Lord God, any man of the house of Israel who sets up idols, who sets up his idols in his heart, put right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through all their idols. Before I read the last verse, here's what he's saying. God says, when you come to me for divine intervention, when you come to me for divine wisdom, when you come to me trying to hear the voice of God, when you come to me trying to figure out, God, where should we go? What's your will for our lives? God says, I'm not going to talk to you about the future. I'm going to talk to you about the idols in your heart. So he's saying, he's telling us straight up, I'm not going to give you, don't come to me. And by the way, don't say to God, oh yeah, God told me. No, no, not if you got idols in your heart. I don't know who talked to you, but it ain't God. Because what he's going to do first is he's going to tell you about your mess and that you need to deal with the stuff, the idols that you have created. You see, everybody, lots of Christians in our culture today have set God up and you have put God in the number three slot. You put God right here. And you said, God, you ain't number one in my life because I have some idols that are in the number one slot. But when a crisis shows up, you want to go to the number three God. And you want to say, number three God, come on my behalf. God said, uh-uh, 
I'm going to make you deal with your number one God. And you, so if your number one God is politics and you think it's the Democratic Party or you think it's the Republican Party, go to them for salvation. Don't come to me. If you think the number one God is this man you're looking for, then go to him for salvation. Don't come to me. If you think it's your job you're looking for, then go to your job for salvation. Don't come to me because since you spend so much time worshiping them, then go to them when you need, not come to me because you have relegated me to the number three thought. Can I get a witness, somebody? Ah, oh, it's going to make sense today. Oh, it's going to make, it's a brand new series. It's only two weeks. Usually my series is like six, seven weeks. No, no, this one's only two. Because it's a word, not just for one community, it's for every Christian all across America. Because I think, we think, we can fool God. And we can put him over here and only come to him when we're desperate. Apart from that, God, we don't need you. Because we can figure this thing out by ourselves. Because, you know how I know we do this? Well, I'm not going to say that. Let me, let me keep that for a little later on. Let me pray, because we're going to need Jesus today. And then let's start. Oh, we're going to lose some people today. But losing people is good sometimes. It's not always bad. But we're going to tell you what the word of the Lord says. And what the word for American Christians is today. Father, we need you. We really do need you today, God. Will you show us ourselves? Will you pull up a mirror so we can see clearly how we have trusted in the stuff that you have blessed us with and we have abandoned Yahweh? No, no, no God, I know we're in church, but our hearts reflect another God and not Yahweh. Will you, will you help us to see it? Because it's one thing if we see it and don't do nothing. The second part is if we don't even know that it's a problem. Will you highlight it for us, God? Prepare every single heart. Allow us to be open, will you? So that we can hear from you and then act accordingly. In Jesus' name. Everybody say? Amen. Amen. Um, one of the things over the last couple of, um, really about the last three months, that I have wondered is where, where, are, the, where are the passionate believers? The folk who love Jesus. Where are the folk at? Where are the men and women who are, who are passionately on fire for God? Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me highlight it. Here's what one verse says. Uh, Psalm 42, verse 1. Here's what it says. As the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, God. Where are them Christians at? I, don't, I don't, haven't seen any of those for a long time. Let me get a couple more. Uh, Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul longs, yes, faints for, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the, to, to the living God. Where are those believers at? Well, here's, here's another one. Psalm 119, verse 20. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times, God. Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire nothing on earth beside you. Where are those people? Where are they at? Where are those believers that say they love God with everything? Where's those believers that don't have another competing God that has their passions? Where are those people at? Here's another one, Isaiah. Let's see what Isaiah has to say. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this verse. At night, my soul longs for you, God. My spirit within me seeks you diligently. Where in the world are them Christians? Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. No, I can tell you what your flesh yearns for. But it ain't God. What are them Christians at? What are them Christians who are passionate about Jesus? What are them Christians at who, 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 who after, after summer camp, you come home and you say, give me the hill, God. I'm going to charge the hill. Where are those Christians at? Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of, the, of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, I consider everything, my education, my job, my everything I got, it's like, it's lost in comparison to who God is. You know why? Because he kept him in the number one slot. 
He said, my job? Are you kidding me? I know who gave me that job. He can take this one and give me another one anytime he wants. I'm the owner of my company. He can take it and give me another one, or he might not have me have any. But it don't matter because God is in control of everything. And my trust is in him. It's not in the stuff that he has blessed me with. Where are those Christians at? That get that, that nobody takes the number one slot. Where are those Christians at that think it's normal to relegate God to number three and come to church wearing this? Talk about your grace is enough. Your a, a, a. Worshiping God as a number three instead of number one. And we're proud of it. Where are the life groups where everybody in there is wearing a number three? And now it's normal that this is our Christianity where everybody's wearing God as a number three. And we have things we're more passionate about and that we love more. And nobody is saying, stop it in the name of Jesus. It's now normal. It's now normal for us to believe that our ethnicity triumphs over Yahweh. Where are those people? It's okay to put God here because it's fashionable in our culture. Where are those Christians who in a community group in this church where, where they say, well, I can't meet you during the election because you don't vote like me and I don't want to have these discussions with you and I can't stand you because you don't vote like me. Are you kidding me? The fruit of the Spirit is patience, kindness, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And you're telling me that you're acting just like the rest of the world and they, they don't have no God. You've got God inside of you and you're living just like they are. That's because you've relegated them to number three. And what you've said is the Democratic Party or the Republican Party is more important because they are your savior. Oh, yeah, they are your savior. Are you kidding me? You want to make a Republican or a Democratic president your savior in three years, in five years, in ten years? They're a footnote. They're gone. And Yahweh's still on the throne. And you want to raise all kind of craziness about them and put God in the number three slot? Are you kidding me? God says we have him in our hearts. We come to church to worship him. But we're worshiping a number three God. Not a number one God. And we think it's cool. We think it's okay. We think it's fine. We think ain't nothing wrong with that. And when somebody calls you out, you say, you're just an extremist. You just want to do God too much. It don't, it don't take all that. Let's leave me with my number three, God. Leave me here. I don't care what you say. I want my number one to be my number one. So let's go see what God has to say. All right, let's see if we can pull this off. <laughs> Woo! So let's talk about some of our idols. Let me just tease you out a little bit before we go define them real clear for you. So you should have gotten one of these. If you don't, go online and you need this today because you need to put this up. In your small groups, you need to be talking about this. If you're not in a small group, you need to get one. How do you identify these idols? Here we go. This is how we spur each other on to good works and good deeds. When you can help other people identify them. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Number one, what consumes most of your thoughts and feelings? Whatever that is, that's in the number one slot. What are you most afraid of? Whatever it is, that's in the number one slot. Here's a good one. What is the one thing that can change your mood in a second? Mm-hmm. Let me illustrate this one. You're having a party at your house. Hey, 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 hey. And then somebody, walk, she, I'm going to say she, she or he walks by. And this is you. Your whole, your whole countenance change because your ex walks by. They got that much power? That they can determine your whole mood? They got that much power? You have given them that much power? That they can now determine whether you smile or whether you frown? Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me God has forgiven you for all that he's forgiven you for, but you can't forgive them? Every time you see them, you want to knock them out. 
You sound like an animal every time you see him. What's wrong with you? Here's another one. What are some things that you feel you can't live without? Whatever, anything that you don't have a life apart from it is an idol. For some of you, that's your job. You don't know what to do if you don't have the job you got. Because, by the way, by the way, none of these are bad things. They're good things that you have made the ultimate thing. That's where the problem comes. Nobody's saying uh, to have a job is bad. Obviously, it's not. Nobody's saying to have good health is bad. Obviously, it's not. But when you make that good thing the ultimate thing, you've now made it an idol. And, and a lot of you are going to try and just, well, no, you know, I'm just, trying to, you know, I'm just trying to be the best, and I'm just trying to be excellent. It's defined who you are. You get most praise from when somebody compliments you about that. Which is why you live on social media. <laughs> what brings you, what brings the highest amount of frustration or anger in your life? What would your friends say is your favorite topic of conversation? You ever notice people where every time, ooh, where, you can be talking about anything. Let's talk about the grocery store. Let's talk about lettuce. And they say, oh, well, you know, I saw on TV the other day. We're talking about lettuce. We're talking about lettuce. We're talking about cabbage. We're talking about greens. We're talking about potatoes. You're talking about, well, how do we get here? Stay in the pocket. We're talking about potatoes right now. <laughs> what, what is one thing that you wish God would do for you? I'm just telling you what your idols are, the ones that you have in your heart. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's jump and see if we can get through this text today, fam. Let's go, come on. Here we go. So let's talk about a couple of these habits that we have. See, the question for most Christians the sad part is that most Christians are asking the question, hey, what's, what's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? And, and they, their questions are, hey, is this right or is this wrong? How far can I go? Hey, what, 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 is this okay to do as a Christian? Can I go to the club? Can I go? And that's the question Christians. Now, I'm talking about mature people who think they're mature. Still asking them. That's not the question of somebody that's passionate, running hard after God asks. Here's the question they ask. They ask this question instead. It's on the front page of your notes. Does this thing get me more of Christ or does it rob me of my awareness of him? That's the question you're wrestling with. Not right or wrong. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's, okay, that's wrong on this side and then it's right on this side. You see, too many Christians, what you try to do is you try to live like this. You say, well, I'm going to live right there. And this is where you try to live your whole life. I'm living right here. I don't want to be too Christian and come over here, but I don't want to be too worldly and come over here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my friends that's over here, I'm better than you, but all you're doing is living right here. Woo! I'm good right here. I'm, I, I'm not a worldling, but I'm not one of them fanatics over here. I just want to live in the middle. That's not the question you're supposed to be asking. The question you're supposed to be asking is, does this get me more and more of Christ being in the number one slot? Do I have passion? Does my heart drive me? Does my soul long for Christ? And when it does not, you don't, you don't walk around proud that, you, that you're not as bad as your friends because you have bad friends that don't love Jesus. So you don't walk around like, well, I'm the most godly in my friend group. Then get some more friends that love God and want to spur you on to good works and good deeds. Don't be proud that you're better than them people over here. That's what we have Christians doing every day now, and it's sad. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is Let's unpack and let's get to work now and see what these, these idols are. They're subtle, but they're real. Turn in your notes to the first one. Here we go. Look in the circles on your left. In the middle, you see the ideas, idols we create. These are idols that we put our trust in. This is how we say, God, 
you're in the number three slot, and I've put these, I've created these idols that are now ultimate in my, the good things that have become, they're, they're the gifts from God, they're gifts, but now they've become God. They're good gifts, but they're bad gods. They're good gifts that God's given you, but they don't make great gods. So don't make them gods. Keep them as gifts. Here we go. Uh, number one, the first one I want to address today, um, that you're, gonna, you're probably going to walk out on this first one, um, is the idol of self. You are your own God. We've done this all our lives. You're your own God. You say, Pastor, I don't understand what you mean. Do you know why some of you come to church? Some of you don't come. You know how you selected a church? You don't select a church based on, hey, how can I help this church achieve their vision? That's not how you came. You came talking about, well, what can this church do for me? Because by all means, you're the God. So you've got to be served. So all you care about is what's in it for me. So then you look at your kiddos and you say, ooh, this, this church had a slide. And it starts on the fifth floor and it comes all the way, way down to the first floor while they play music in your ears about, yes, Jesus loves me. And that's why you pick, because your kid can have a slide that goes down. Because all you care about is you. That's why some of you have watched four churches already online, and this is the fifth church you're watching now, because you don't want to commit to anywhere. You just want to get what's in it for you, because you got the first one for me, second one for me, third one for me, fourth one for me, fifth one for me, and all you care about is you. You built a whole system around you. You built a whole, everybody around you should be supporting and doing what you want them to do, because you've made it all about And here's the funny part. You, you, right now, you look at me like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> That's how far you've gone. Because <laughs> you don't see nothing wrong with that. When God says, hey, man, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't create you so that you can make life all about you. Actually, it's not about you. It's about him and his glory. But when you make life all about you, then God comes number three. And you become number one. So you don't ask God anymore, God, what would you like me to do with this community of believers? That's not how you ask. You ask, what is in it for me? Then lies a problem. So that's why you go around and all you're looking for, hey, who has the best props? And hey, who, who's the most eloquent? And hey, who, who, does the praise team got it? Do they got it? Can they, I mean, can they blow? Can they do it? Because that's all you care about. What's in it for me? And you don't even realize that you've become your own God. And so everything you do is worshiping. And so anybody that doesn't give you what you want, becomes people you can discard because they're not worshiping you the way you like it. Don't even realize it, do you? Number two, in the same sense of self, let me give you another one. Um, in America, I mean, in, in, the, in the, wherever you're watching from, in the area where, you know, our, our, our main campus is, um, um, we create lakes so we can have a feel like it's an ocean. But it really is man-made lakes. Because ain't nothing beautiful just in this area. You know, there ain't no mountains. Ain't no, ain't no beautiful oceans coming everywhere. Ain't none of that. So you know what we've done? Huh. We have created, just don't miss this. We've created, listen, an environment where we and beauty has become a sport. So how I look has become a sport. Okay, you don't, you, you don't get it yet. Um, um, so now, what matters is, do I look better than you? Now it's a whole, comp, comp, it's a whole competition. How do I look when I walk in? How do I look? Do I have enough? Did I do enough today to get a second look? You don't like that, do you? You put it on your shoes. You, you, let's say you come to church. Put it on your shoes to come to church. And, and you, no, this average. Let me get this one, this one, this one, this one. And you put it on. And then, yeah. Ooh, they can't handle me today. 
And now you're coming in, you're going to work, you're going to the mall, wherever you're going, if you're going to leave your house, and all of a sudden, what you want is the aim and the goal is to get a second and a third look. Let's, let's leave the ladies a little bit. Let's go to the brothers. And what you want is you need your body so chiseled that when you walk, everybody said, whoa, whoa, he swole, he, he swole, he swole, he swole. You swole. Your, your legs can't even touch. You have to kind of walk like that is, that is, that is. No, no, no. You know what? Let me. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's only a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. Of course, you, you want to be healthy. Of course, you want to work out. Of course, you want to look nice. All that's fine. But the reason you're doing it is what matters. So when you're doing it to tell all the ladies, you better watch me. When you're doing it to tell all the brothers, I'm stronger than you. I'll take you down in a minute. Don't fool with me. When you're doing it because you want everybody to know you got nothing on me. Now you've become your own God. Now anybody that shows up that might want to compete with you. Now it becomes this all out war. Now you get into debt to look good. To make sure your image stays the way it is. Now you got to go to Mexico to go get surgery. Because you're cheap and you can't afford it here. Oh, you see, you think I don't know, huh? Yeah, I think I don't know. You think I don't know. You got to, hey, what you doing? Vacationing in Mexico. No, no. You did a little surgery. And then you come on back up. Over here it's 100000 Over there it's 25000 So you be like, Woo! That's, that's why I'm walking with Jada in the mall sometimes, and I'm walking with holding hands, and the, two, like two ladies walk by, and they're looking Jada up and down. You know why they're looking her up and down? Because they they're comparing themselves. Now, every now and again, I'm in the flesh, and I'm like, yeah, why are y'all looking at her? Look at this dude right here. I mean, he's fine. I'm joking. Don't, don't send me no emails. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyways, come on back, come on back, come on back. But, but, but we make it a sport. We, we do, seriously, we do. It's the reason why when, when you get dressed to go places, you, you, you put some stuff on and you suck it all in and, and all of a sudden you're walking around and you're looking like this and you're getting like, huh, huh, huh. Because we've made it a sport. And, our, it's, it, and, our, and, our, and how we look has become a God. But then that's not, some of you are like, Pastor, I don't do the church thing. I don't do the image thing. Here's what you, you do the mind thing. You know what the mind thing is, right? You, know, you, you say, no, you know, no, 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 don't apply to me. I, I, I'm a deep thinker. So I don't deal with the whole, you know, um, I, you, I got to go research it for myself. I hear stuff on the surface, but you know, you gullible people take that. I've got to go mine for it to see what really, I got to come up with about seven different sources to make sure that it's concrete, airtight, because I want the world to know that you little people, you just believe anything you say. But me, on the other hand, I'm so smart. I've done the legwork. You see, you're too lazy. I, I, I have mind for the truth. I have eight different sources from eight different people, from eight different magazines that support my point. So when I speak, you better listen because you have not done the research. And I'm doing, here's all you've done. You want to show the world that you're, you're the smartest person in the room, which means you have created yourself as the God and the one who knows it all. Watch it. Nothing wrong with study. Nothing wrong with research. Nothing. But everything wrong is you're doing it for the purpose of being the smartest person in the room. Do you see how we have elevated ourselves to our own God? All right, let's move on. You look like you don't like me anymore already. So let's move on. Um, some of us, some of us have, have, have allowed style to be a God. Style. So, so you don't, if it's not Louis V, you don't fool with it. If it's not a range, Rover that is, you don't, 
you don't, so, so, so the way you carry yourself becomes, uh, yeah, <laughs> they drive a Toyota. <laughs> no, you don't do it out loud. You, you're too smart for that. You don't do it out loud. But in your heart, <laughs> Toyota, Toyota, really? Is all you can do? The shoes, the shoes. These, I don't even know where these come from. But anyways, whatever kind of shoes you wear, they, they got to have a name. They got to have a label. They got to have a brand. They got, it, it, you don't just wear shoes. You, you, I mean, you bought shoes from Walmart. Who does that? Because you have to maintain this image. This, this is how cool I am. And you don't realize that you're creating a God. All right, let's move on. We're done. Let's move on. Um, so you have self. Then you have, ooh, I could spend all day on spouse. Let's go through this quickly. For some of you who are single, let me talk about single friends real quick. You've made your spouse, the desire to be married a God. That's all you think about. You passionately pursue it. Every day, every waking moment. Ooh, did anybody, did anybody swipe, 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 swipe? Anybody, anybody swipe, 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 swipe? And you make it a God. You live for it. Every morning, the last thing before you go to bed, the first thing you get up, you are living for this. And here's what you believe. You are convinced that if you ever get married, here's what's going to happen. If you get married, number one, you're not going to be lonely anymore. Number two, all the rejection that you have faced in your life will all be gone in a moment when this dude or this girl say yes or you ask her to marry. You're thinking it's going to be done. Let me help you out. And every married person will tell you in here, just because you, do, you get married, married don't mean you're not lonely don't make it a god you've made it the ultimate you can't live without thinking is anybody going to call me today somebody just call me and if they don't call you so aggressive you call them because you think if i just get this it will be it and it's a God in your heart. And then you foolishly argue. Then God is going to, God, is this the one? God said, can you get the idol out of your heart? Before you ask me if this is the one. Don't come to me if you've relegated me to the number three slot. Do you see what I'm saying? Christians in America, this is what we have become. Christians walking around everywhere we go. I wish, you should just have a number three. I should, if, if the church was regular, I'd just give everybody a number three. Let you walk around with a number three. Everywhere you go, God in the number three. This is all of us right here. Just walking around. Yeah, just know I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian with, with Jesus being number three because I have too many other things that are important. So let me just walk around with Jesus as number three because this is how 90% of the Christians in America look because we all have idols that we have sold out to that we want more than we want God, which is why we're not passionate about God, which is why all we're doing is walking around with God as number three and we're proud of it. And if somebody has God as number one, you don't want to hang out with them because they might tell you to drop God as number three. So you don't want to be in community group with nobody that wants God as number one because they take him too seriously. But when you want God to come out on you and to help you, all of a sudden you say, okay God, I'll give you the number one slot until you you answer my prayer. So please, real quickly, answer my prayer, God. And as soon as he answers it, then he says, all right, take your rightful place. Stay in the number three slot, but don't try to run my life, God. I don't want you to run my life. You must know your place, God. And when it comes to the elections, God, leave us alone. We can run this. We know what we're doing. We're going to stand up. We're going to make our voices heard because we control it. And if our God wins and if our guy loses then I'm good because the solution is going to come not from heaven it will come from the White House because they have all power and they have all control and they died at a cross for you because you put them in the number one slot and you've relegated God to the number three slot what is wrong with Christians in this century that is my concern that we Trust in man and not trust in God. Let's keep going. Let's get a little more sophisticated. You can release some tension and give God a round of applause for that. Come on. All right, let's see if we can get through this rest of this quickly now. Here we go. Uh, number, number three is children. You notice how that's the biggest one? Children. <clears throat> 
This is the last one, then I'm going to go to the next page. Children, children, children. I ain't saying this all day. Children. Now, I got some bad news for you. Uh, you're a little kid. <clears throat> they, they, they're not going to the NFL. They're not going to the World Series. They're not going to the World Cup. They're not. The chances of them doing that are so small that they're, they're, they're not. Don't get mad. Don't log off. <clears throat> Come here. Let me tell you why. Um, because some of you have built your whole life around them kids. And I know because you don't treat these games like a game. You treat it like a God. This you. Six-year-old. T-ball. Come on, buddy. Let's do this. Let's do this. This you in the stands. All the regular parents are around, but you. Come on, buddy, we did this yesterday. We practiced this yesterday. Come on, get this, get this. Out of the park, get this, get this, get this. Boom, it goes right. Come on, man, we did this. What's wrong with you, kid? What's wrong with you? We practiced this yesterday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody else looking at you like, you from Mars or something. Because you're treating it like it's a God. You do know the kid still wears diapers, right? Okay, come here. Let me show you how I know you treat it like a God. You, you treat it like a God and not a game. You know why I know? Because <clears throat> when your friends come over and your kids' friends come over and they're playing hide and seek, you don't do this. You don't say, why did they find you so quickly? Come on, man. You got to hide better than that. I taught you how to hide. Let's hide better than that so they never find you because you're the best in the world and they'll never find you. You, you don't say that because it's a game. It's a game. So when it's a game... <laughs> Oh, they find you. <laughs> That's a game. When it's a God, you're the loudest one. When it's a God, come on, umpire. What's that, umpire? Come on. I mean, you need some glasses, bro. You need some glasses. Hey, who made him an umpire? Let's, let me write. I'm, I'm writing 15 notes right now to the commissioner of the Little League to tell them that you should never be an umpire again in your life. You should be fired from all sports. Actually, I'm going to cancel you from ever being doing anything at all ever again. Listen to yourselves. It's a game. But you've made it a God. Because you think, oh, we're going to the league. I'm going to get rid this is, my, this is my retirement policy right here. Oh, I'm going to the league. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I, listen, I, I played soccer. That's how I got to this country. I, played, I got a full scholarship to go play soccer. So I get it. I get it. But don't make it a God. Can I tell you what God wants us to do instead? He wants us, listen, he, he, first of all, you're setting up all of, all of humanity to feel the pain of your kid that you allowed yourself to be all-consuming toward. Because guess whose neighbors they become? Ours. So after they leave your house, which they're going to leave, and they go to college, let's say they made it and they got a scholarship, you go, ooh, yeah, 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 okay, that's good, so you didn't have to pay whatever amount, okay, that's good. But then they're not, they, they're not going to the league. Okay, anyways, so then they're going to get a job. But now they're mad because they didn't live up to your expectation. So now they got to go be somebody's neighbors. But as a neighbor, they think everybody should worship them like you worship them. So now we got to be beside this neighbor who's a jerk that you created. And now we got to deal with them because nobody's around them. Tell them, oh, my gosh, you're the best. You're the greatest. You're going to do it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Nobody's there saying that. So now they got to be regular. Regular. We got to live with that. Number two, this is important. You got to live with them gone. 
Because your whole life you've lived for them. So now, when you and your boo, all y'all see is you, and they gone. No, that's why the divorce rate is higher, the second highest, when the kids leave. Because you've lived all your whole life for them. Not for God, for them. And so now, what do you have, fam? What do we have, fam? What do we have is, what God wants is, for you to love your spouse the way you're supposed to, for these kids to watch that and want that, and for you to do that under the banner of, we're going to love God with all our mind, with all our hearts, and with all our soul. So now that we're loving God like that, he's the priority in this house. As for me and my hearts, we're going to serve, serve the Lord, and we're modeling what a healthy, loving relationship looks like. So now they know that they're not first in this house. Absolutely not. Do I need to love them, support them, create great environments for them? All that's true. But God gets the ultimate in this house, not them. And they need to know that so that they can serve that same God too. Because here's what many parents don't realize yet. This is so important. When you say God is number three and the kid's number one, the kid's going to say God is number 105. Because they're not going to go where you go. They're going to go far worse than you go. And then you're going to say, what did we do wrong? You had a God in your heart that you created. You just weren't aware of it. That makes sense, man? Come on, man. Put your hands together for God. Come on. Here we go. Let's move on, y'all. We, we got too much to cover. So your health, we can say the same thing. Your wealth, we can say the same thing. All that, we can say the same thing. Go to page number two. Let's see if we can get ready to turn this corner uh, as we go. So, so then you go to the passage in Ezekiel. And the passage in Ezekiel, he's saying, no, the first ones we created. We created those gods. These are now the gods of our hearts. The idols that are stuck away in our hearts. You want to hear from God, but you can't because of these idols in your heart. Let me give you all of them. Number one, it starts with a desire. That's where it starts, with a desire. Then it goes, number two, to now you're entitled to it. Then it goes, moves to number three. Watch, it gets bigger. Now it grows. It goes to an expectation. Now you start giving more power to it. Then it goes to a demand, but now the, de- the desire, excuse me, but now the desire, the demand is non-negotiable. Then lastly, it goes to a desire, which is where you give an unbelievable amount of authority to this thing. I'm going to illustrate it in two ways in a minute. Let me go over those again. <clears throat> you start with a desire, which is a good thing. I want to get healthy. I want my kids to be great. I want them to be smart. I want, it starts with a desire. Then it moves from a desire to entitlement, this is going to happen. This is what our family does. Then it moves from there to an expectation. Oh no, this, 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 this is what's going to happen. Then it moves to a demand. God, you better make this happen. And then ultimately it moves to a desire that has so much authority, it runs everything in your house. Now that's an idol. An idol is born. Let me show you how it starts. It starts with, God, um, I would like to, I'd like to not experience the same pain my parents experienced with the money issues they have. So, God, I want to get a good job, and I want to start working, and I want to be able to save. That's, that's a good desire. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. That's healthy. That's noble. And then you keep going. God, I got a little bit of change, but I need more. God, my neighbors have more than I do, and I need to get more of what they got. So now, the hand starts to close. God, 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 and you start putting pressure on everybody else around you. Family, you need to not spend as much money because I don't want to do what my parents did, and I don't want to ever go back in a house like that where we have to be on food stamps and we have to do all that. So, so listen, we're we, we not going to be that. So now, you need to know, if you don't buckle up and stop all that eating and stop all that shopping, that you, you need to know, we're not going back there. No, the hand starts to close a little bit more, don't it? And then... You start looking around and say, oh, here's another opportunity to make some more money. Here's another opportunity to make some more money. Here's another opportunity to make some more money. And money starts to flow. Then all of a sudden, you now demand and expect that this is the way it always should be. And now your hand is closed. And now you're saying, God, I don't care about what you have to say because I will pursue this. Even if it costs me, I'm going to do this. And my family is going to be good. And we're going to be rich. And we're going to have everything we need. And we'll never have a need because we'll be able to 
have to pay for it. And God, if you ask me to give a little, I'll give a little because I love you. But really, I, I need this to be this way for the rest of my life. Do you see what we do? And now it has so much authority that it runs everything you do. And now it's an idol. And you didn't even know it. And now what you do is you think you're so smart that you say, God, you're really number one. If he was number one, your fist wouldn't be closed. Because when he's number one, listen now, if he's over here, <laughs> if he's over here, oftentimes he might ask you to open the hand up and prove that he's number one by giving it up and being okay with just him and not the thing you want so much. That's why when we lose the loved one, if we're holding on tight to them, we can't let it go. Now you start to blame God because you and God had an agreement. God didn't sign off, you did. And you know what the agreement was? God, listen, God, if you're going to be number one in this place, that means I got to get and I got to keep my person. So therefore, God, listen, God, hey, I, I'm not going to let this go, but I still need you to be number one. But the real matter is you, God's number three, and this is number one. Listen, here's the worst part about it. And when your hands close like this, don't you ever forget this. Everybody in your life become a pawn to your wishes for your idol. So now you use everybody around you. You can say it's for them to get better. And you can say it's for, I'm just doing this for you because it's for what's best for you. No, no, no. You're doing it for you because you want to feed your idol. And you don't want to get rid of it. And you know if you put God in the number one slot, he might ask you to get rid of it. So you don't want God to do that. So you'll never put, you'll go to church and you'll fake it. You don't even realize that you're faking it because you've justified why it's really about God and I'm just grateful to God for him blessing me with my, then open your hand. Then open it. Then, then I dare you separate from it for a year. Separate from it for one year and you'll see. Because you can't let go of the number one idol in your heart. Let me give you one more, and then we'll go to the last page, then we're done. <clears throat> um, I, 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 I grew up playing soccer, so let's use soccer. <clears throat> so we have a lot of parents who, 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 who reorient their whole lives around soccer. Okay, now I got a five-year-old kid who loves soccer and plays soccer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I got to go to the, to the special league. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing. But when it's the ultimate thing, it's a God. And then we fake Christianity because we have no passion for God. But we have it for money. We have it for our health. We have it for our kids. We have it for ourselves. Passion! And don't even realize it. We have it for politics. Passion! <laughs> Let me tell you what I really think. <laughs> You're holding on to it. This is life. You have it for, watch this now. You have it for your ethnicity. <laughs> It's not a bad thing until it becomes the ultimate thing. It's a good gift. It's a bad God. So we can't make it into that. And the church of Jesus Christ gathered in North America, we have made these things into gods that we worship. And we have relegated Jesus Christ to number three. And only when we need him do we call him. All right, let's see if we can wrap this up and then I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. So, we give so much authority to that thing that people and things become a means to a greater end. Ask your family. They'll tell you the truth. Just ask them. Turn the page over. Let's land this plane. Come on. Last one. Idols we create. 
idols in our heart. Last one, the enemies of our heart. I got this one out of a book that's entitled with that name, Enemies of the Heart. There are four of them, and then I'm going to teach you a simple principle, and then we're done. Number one, anger. Number two, guilt. Number three, greed. Number four, jealousy. Number one, anger. Number two, guilt. Number three, greed. Number four, jealousy. Now listen, everybody, listen, listen. Scoot up. If, you, if you're distracted right now, scoot up and listen. Don't miss what I'm about to say because it will determine you will be able to see this in every person you interact with. Every relationship that you have, you'll be able to see why some people can never have healthy relationships and why some people can. You'll be able to determine if you can ever have one all because of this one principle of the enemy of the heart that I want you to get today. Because it's where God is kicked out of the way. Watch it. Number one, what's the problem with anger? It's a simple phrase. Here it is. You owe me. That's it. Whenever there's anger, somebody owes you something and they can't pay you and you're mad at them. Number two, guilt. Guilt, the problem is, I owe you. I owe you something that I feel guilty about. Now, Jesus paid for that on the cross, but I feel guilty because I owe you and I can't pay you. Number three, greed. Greed says, I owe me. I deserve this. I should get this. I've worked hard enough for this. I owe me this. Number four, a very dangerous one, jealousy. That's where you think God owes you. That's where you think. I'm telling you, if you get this, you cannot, be a, you cannot be a fulfilled person unless you get this. You cannot be somebody that thrived in life relationally unless you get this. So please listen up. No, here's the beautiful thing. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and he's in the number one slot, here's what he did for you. It means he canceled your debt. That's what he did. He canceled. You owed him, could not pay him, and he canceled your debt. Which means, here's what he said. You weren't coming to me to ask me to forgive you. He came after you. And then he said, I'm going to cancel. You owe me nothing. Actually, not only do you not owe me nothing, I'm going to give you my righteousness so that it's going to be imputed to you so you can have a relationship with the Father. So now I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to set you up so you can have the best relationship that will save your life and that will transform you forever. That's what Jesus did for you. Now he says, if you want to be like me, Christians, then you need to do the same for everybody you meet. Which means you have no reason on the planet to not want to forgive somebody and cancel their debt. You, he just removed all your reasons. So that means your spouse don't owe you nothing. So you don't have to be angry. That means God doesn't owe you nothing because he hasn't given you the, your spouse that you want. Nobody owes you nothing. Which means Christ has canceled your debt. So you are now obligated to cancel the debt of everyone else. And when you don't want to do that... You're highlighting the fact that you got a God because you're walking around thinking somebody owe you something. You're walking around thinking, you did something to me and I'm not willing to forgive your debt. Listen to that. You did something to me and I'm not willing to forgive this debt. You owe me this. What if God had said that to you? What if Jesus had said, what if your creator had said that to you? How would you then have even had a chance to have a heart that can please God. You wouldn't. Which is why you ought to be deeply grateful for the rest of your life. That the creator said, I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'll give you my righteousness. So you can have a relationship with the father. So that's why you don't have a right to be angry anymore. Why? Why, pastor? Why don't I have a right to be angry? Because if God cancels your debt, then you can cancel anybody who has done you wrong. Listen to me. Here's why this is important. And if you think, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me, all I would say to you is, you have no idea what you did to God. Because if you understand this one, then whatever they did to you, I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm just saying, what he did for you to cancel yours, I'm not saying I do it tomorrow, but I'm saying you better work through that process where you'll forgive them. Guilt? 
where you think I owe them? Guess what Jesus did on the cross? He paid for that guilt. You don't walk around guilty anymore. You ask for forgiveness, and then you move up. But pastor, they don't want to release me. Then that's their issue, not yours. But you have to ask God. God, please forgive me. And then you, please forgive me. I'm confessing. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And then it's done because you did your part. If they don't want to forgive you, that's their issue, not yours. And then greed, walking around, hey man, I owe this. I, I work too hard to not get this. I work too hard. I work, I work, I do all this stuff. I gotta, I'm gonna pay myself. I'm gonna wear my Louis V. I'm gonna drive my car. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. Oh, 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 oh. okay. So now we have a debt problem because you're still concerned about how you look. See what I'm saying? God paid for that. God has already declared about how you look. Your identity don't come from what you have. It comes from who you are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to drive a car. You don't have to live in a kind of house. Do you know the rest of the world don't live nowhere near as you? And because they don't, they're upright, basking in the presence of God, passionate about God more than all of us put together. And they don't even have 5% of what you got. In your brokenness, they don't have it still. And yet still, their passion for God is so much higher than yours and mine together. And then lastly, jealousy, God? You owe me, God? <laughs> you really want to tell God he owe you? You really want to tell God, God, where my man at? God, where my woman at? What's up, God? What's up with that? What's up? <laughs> you really want to do that to God? <laughs> Remember, the mere fact that you have a breath, he gave that to you. The mere fact that you want to you, you move your little finger to him, he, 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 create, this right, he created that for you. The, the, the mere fact that you got up this morning, he allowed you to get up. The mere fact that you got in a car and you didn't meet in an accident, it's because he allowed you to do that. The mere fact that you walked in here and you pranced in here in some shoes and some clothes is the fact that God's been good to you and you want to make a demand, what's wrong with you, God? Why haven't you given me what I want? That's because you have elevated yourself to God. And you think you get to tell the creator of the universe what to do. You don't get to do that. You get to be grateful for what he has already blessed you with. And you get to say, thank you, God. What I deserve is death, but you have graciously given me life. And I am forever grateful to you. And now, God, I know you want me to have this kind of passion for the thing I want. You want me to have that for you. Because that's what you want. It's your believers to put their trust in you and you alone. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a, there's a hole in your heart. And only eternity can plug that hole. Let me help you out. Don't ever forget this. Three things last forever. God, his word, and people. That's why God wants you to spend all your life getting to know him through his word. And then pouring that word into the life of other people. Until you do that, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll never live a significant life. You'll always live for success, but never for significance. Because if you're going to live for significance, significance has to do with eternity, not with anything temporary. And if you're going to do that, then you've got to say, God, I'm just grateful that I still have you. I still have your word. And I can pour both of those into the life of somebody else. It means anything else I have apart from that is a gift from you that I am forever grateful for. I will not take the code and the method and the message from the world. I'll take it from your word. And I will live the life you've called me to live because anything else than that I'm erecting a God in my life God I am sorry for erecting another God I am sorry for walking around with you in the number three slot I am sorry God for making a mockery of your name and prioritizing men over Yahweh God how dear me you should have struck me but you were gracious in not striking me when I want to elevate politics over the king of kings and the lord of lords when I want to elevate my son or my own daughter over you and you're the one who gave them to me I, for, I beg you to forgive me God for putting you in the number three slot I repent of that we collectively do 
and help us to run hard after you like the saints in the Old Testament did. Why are the kids in today's generation not seeing mommy and daddies and men and women run hard after God? Why is it that the same struggles for singles in the world are the same struggles for singles in the church when we've got the spirit of the living God inside of us? I'm asking you, please, family, please, I am pleading with you that we don't just go after, is this right or is this wrong? But we strive after, God, what I want is more and more and more and more of you. Increase my appetite for you. Increase my desires for you. Increase my passion for you. Increase my entire being to crave you. May my soul cry out for you, God. And not for the things that I want because I want to be my own. So here we are, Father. We're sorry for the thing we've made it. We're sorry for this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. We're sorry for hiding it and not letting it shine. We're sorry that the light's been out and nobody has seen it because we've been marching to the to the rhythm of the media and we've been marching to the rhythm of the world and we've been marching to the rhythm of popular opinion but not marching as onward Christian soldiers forgive us for that and thanks for the opportunity because you love us so much that all you ask us to do is to say I'm sorry and then turn in our behavior. Will you help us all to do that, God, please? Every last one. Every person listen to me today. Will you not let us rest until we identify the God, ask you to forgive us, and then run toward righteousness. Will you help us all to do that, please? We beg you this. We honor you today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you just because you see the foolishness we do. And you're still gracious with us. What a God. What a Savior. What an incredible Yahweh. We love you. We tell you thank you. And we worship you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say. Come on, fam. Put your hands together for God. Come on.